Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb, and we have an interesting show today. Uh, I am a little under the weather because the heat does not work in my house, and so I have a little bit of a sore throat. And because the heat does not work, I have a fan going that Brian tells me is of light noise quality. And uh, I guess, Brian, you're, you turned yours off. But I thought, I thought we were going to be in solidarity where it's like, look, we're just running our heaters today. Deal with it. Uh, I was on board with the <laughs> just purposefully reduced quality show, but I just got a little warm. So I'm sorry I didn't stand in solidarity with you as we both ran our heaters and annoyed our listeners. Although if you didn't say anything, I, I would put a large bet on no one even noticing. Maybe. It's, it's one of those things where if someone does notice, I think it's nice for me to say like, hey, I know that this is probably a bad thing and I should not be doing it. But like, here's the reason why, you mm-hmm. know. But I also know that there's probably a large subsection of people who probably could not hear it. And now that I pointed it out, it is all that they can hear. Just going to be listening to it the entire time. Yeah, I mean, we do generally try to care about audio quality and things like that to make the listening experience as smooth and joyous as possible. But Jerry's cold, damn it. And I want him to be warm. I know how much he suffered. And he has been suffering, by the way, for months now, making this podcast in the cold. And, uh, you know, I think you got frostbite for a little while in your office, right? Uh, it wasn't like frostbite, but my my feet were definitely cold for multiple days. Yeah, if I get the chance to have a, a friendly chat with your landlord, it will probably be an interesting <laughs> one. But I don't, I'm not By sure that's ever means. that's ever going to actually come up. But. By all means, anyone is encouraged to have whatever sort of chat with my landlord that they want. I just got a, a piece of mail today that said that they are increasing my rent. Oh rent sure. For, yeah, Why for not? for no reason. Even though it's like you know, my my house has not had heat or AC for six months, and yeah, to fix you know, it. look, they are just trying to run a legitimate business out here. If you want them to do things like provide a livable space for you, that seems unfair. How are they going to extract maximum profit if they have to go ahead and provide you the basic necessities of life, such as heat? They're providing a service, Brian. Yeah, you see, well renting, provided too. <laughs> renting out a house. Uh, for someone who, I don't know, like, I, I I could afford to buy a house, but I certainly wouldn't want to buy this house. Uh, instead, I'm just paying someone else's mortgage for no real reason. Yeah, very silly. I mean, like, and it's funny because I was like, for years, a very mobile person and didn't really, it wasn't so much that I couldn't get a house. It just like didn't make a lot of sense in terms of timing and nothing ever felt permanent enough. And I was following my career. My wife was following her career and it just didn't make sense for us. But the consequence of that, it played out that way though, too. For sure. For sure. And it it mostly was okay, except the consequences, you just make someone else rich for, I mean, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 17 and then I paid rent until this year. And I am, I don't even, I'm turning 40 next year. So you're talking 20 plus years of just paying someone else's mortgage. It's it's very silly, very frustrating. And I wish it houses had a little bit more liquidity, moved around a little bit more. And we all uh, didn't have to fight for, again, one of the basic human necessities, housing. Or, you know, uh, kind of a an out there idea, but like the houses that sit there empty. Could, maybe use them? Yeah, could maybe just 
you know, be given to someone who doesn't have a house. But you let know, me tell you about the free. No, never. <laughs> won't do that. you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, to everyone. Uh, <laughs> a great way to open the show. Uh, there was something else I was gonna say. I don't know. Maybe maybe we should just talk about Magic Online. Sure. Weird news coming out of Magic Online today as we record this. And uh, I would say it's a, a bit of a slow news week. There's really there's not much to be said in terms of competitive Magic right now. Like, I would love a real big alchemy tournament to talk about. Like, you'd think some kind of event highlighting the format and kicking it off put together by Wizards would have been a cool way to give us something to talk about. Dude, not one, really. of the, one of the biggest frustrations with organized play is the scheduling and timing. Yep. Uh, the the worlds that I sat out of is like the prime example of it where I, I posted my thing uh, and a lot of folks' response was, oh, I didn't know worlds was happening. And it was yep. because it was like the end of a dead format. We already had like the full spoiler for the next set and Sandra was rotating or something. It was like, just a, a comical mix up of everything where, you know, no one, no one knew about the tournament because they didn't advertise it. And even if they did advertise it, no one would watch it because the standard format was completely irrelevant. It was literally the last tournament in that format. And that's how like the championships have been lately. And it's just like, come on, we used to be so good at this. Yeah. Yeah. And I sort of get the argument that like, this isn't as important anymore. That that's true. It's it's not as important. But there's it's, moments it's where not, it's but super can, important. It's not that important, but it doesn't mean that you just put it on the worst possible weekend, yeah. or you put like whatever pro tour equivalent event is the same weekend as the the qualifier events. So the, the people playing in PTQs can't watch the the pro level event, or you know you should do the pro event first. Uh, to get people interested in watching it because they will want to learn from that tournament to then put forth towards their PTQs the next week, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we did. We did it for years. I'm not telling anyone something they don't know, but no, there wasn't anything like that this week. And it's tough because I continue to enjoy Alchemy. I'm having uh, a good time and I wish there was some competition we could discuss, but we don't really have that yet. Hopefully come back soon. We'll be able to do that uh probably be an endless preview season but instead we're going to talk about some of these slow news items we'll talk about some non-magic stuff i think because uh hopefully what else what else are we going to do and if this doesn't sound like it's for you take a week off that's cool we're down with that pop off and you can come back next week and we'll probably be back in deck lists or new magic cards or something like that yeah that's cool take a week off we almost did Mm -hmm. discussed it but we thought we had to spread all of this holiday cheer we have inside of us <laughs> and make sure it doesn't go to waste just an hour cold dark hearts it has to go out there to the world and be embraced all right i'm gonna look at the copy from this announcement so we can get it straight here yeah i i know the gist of what has happened but i think having some specificity and how they phrased it is important because i think i think the biggest thing about this news item is not so much what's happening. It's clear what's happening. It's it's interpreting what's happening and why it's happening, what it means for the future of Magic Online. So let me preface by saying that Magic Online was not originally run by Wizards themselves. Yeah, Leaping Lizard was the first ones, I Correct. think. Who, yeah, and they went on to do something really interesting. You know what they went on to do? 
<laughs> are they NFT grifters? <laughs> no, I don't think that's their. They it, do. It, I, it just seems like a, a very, you know, blossoming space. Yeah, no, definitely hot right now. But I, I think, oh, I, I hope I don't have this wrong. I, I think something about Leaping Lizards went on to have a lot to do with Skyrim, Elder Scrolls, Morrowind stuff. And maybe I'm like crossing lines up and that's not correct. Um. So you, you can do a quick fact check on me there. I hear some typing going on. Hopefully you're going to clear that up. Uh, it, it's Leaping Lizards is a board game about fast moving reptiles. No, that's, that's not the one I'm looking for. Uh, okay, th- this is, this is a, uh, a pro tip for all you folks out there who may be making game studios or something. SEO is important. We learned that the hard way. Yes. Uh, let's just do Elder Scrolls. Sleeping Lizards, Elder Scrolls. Anything there? Yeah, now that I, I Google more, I'm concerned I just made this up entirely, and this actually has nothing to do with it. There is some link. I promise there's something interesting about Leaping Lizard and what people involved with Leaping Lizard went on to do. If anyone knows, I would like you to come to me and tell me exactly what it is, because I'm, I'm not finding it when I go to look on the internet right now. Oh Although God. I did find the little logo, and I remember the little logo from logging on to Magic Online, so that's very exciting. Oh, I think I got it. I think I got it. You got this- it? Yeah, there is something about Morrowind. Okay, good. So I'm not a complete clown. Because when I looked at the list, like I found a a site summing up what they did. And the list of credits are Sim Farm in 1993, Centipede in 1998, Monopoly Casino in 1999, Magic the Gathering Online in 2002, and then Bicycle Casino in 2004. And that's it. Nothing else. So I know there's more to it than that. All that shows up in this article is about a person who used to work at Leaping Lizard, now now working at Bethesda. Okay. Maybe (laughs) I just read this interview or something. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Magic uh, Online. Yeah. So at some point, I think it was version three, but I could be wrong. It could have been version two where they uh, wrested control back from Leaping Lizard and was like, we're going to do this all in-house. And it was was fine. So now uh, from the news article on, on Daily MTG, big change for next year and beyond is that Wizards of the Coast will be partnering with Daybreak Games to develop and publish Magic Online. Daybreak Games is a leading global publisher and developer of multiplayer online games and has a proven track record of supporting and growing live service games. Uh, So on the outset, it's like, oh, you know, they're outsourcing this thing. This could be like a, a big deal or mean a lot of things. And in reality, this is like something that they've already done, but like for for different reasons. And then. You know, Brian, I think you have more experience or understanding of this company, Daybreak Games. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I did some research today. It's not like I have a huge amount of experience with them, but basically, I would say they lean towards not sunsetting is not the right word. Uh, I, I would say minimal effort and games which are not like super, super active development and definitely not the forefront of you know the the 
cultural experience, uh, yeah. taking over things like Planet Side, and uh, there's there's definitely a bunch of games, no doubt, ton of experience taking over a bunch of games that you have heard of, and in some instances, growing the communities of those games by doing some really good projects. EverQuest is another one I believe that they're like kind of the stewards of. That's the one I was going to bring up. Y'all, y'all want to know why EverQuest has been running for? I don't know, 30 years or yep. however long it's been yep. is because this company does it. And it's like, isn't that game super old? Yup. Has it gotten any updates? Nope, not really. Uh, but it's it, there. It's there. And uh, Daybreak is the org that continues to keep that game running. So what does that mean for Magic the Gathering Online? Here is what I would argue. Magic the Gathering Online was already in the state of we're just keeping this thing running. Dude, that was my argument. What do you... I've stolen it. I'm sorry. Because it's correct. I mean, it's just just correct. Like, that obviously has not been a priority, but it still makes money. Uh, There's still a very small but dedicated subset of players who play a lot of Magic Online. And if... You want my opinion? Magic Online is probably the best way to play competitive magic over the internet. Still, hands down. So, but it, that's that's me, someone who has twenty plus years invested in Magic already. What is the better program for Wizards of the Coast to sell as a product? It's Arena, unquestionably. You can't even you, you can't undo the nonsense that has been built into the Magic Online platform at this point, and they're not going to reboot the whole thing. And it's just about keeping it afloat, uh, milking out that last little bit of profit. And that doesn't mean this has to be a bad thing. If this external studio can do a really good job in the you know, minimal update mode, and they are insisting that they're still, they're not sensing anything. They're still bringing new sets and everything to Magic Online. So basically, at least what we are getting now, it feels like we will continue to get in the future. So I think this is pretty neutral news on the whole. I just have seen people get both excited or despondent about it. And I think this is just pretty much status quo. I don't see a lot here. Yeah, so sunsetting is the the term I saw being thrown around. And that is not what this company does because, uh, I mean, I, I don't know their track record or whatever, but for things like EverQuest specifically, they keep the game running for a very long time, yeah. right? It's they're not They're not trying to like, take it over to shut it down because they're getting paid by wizards to do this. Right. So why, why would they want to do that? They want, they want to keep magic online alive. And what, what does that mean? You know, like, is it, is it possible that they try and do some things to like fix up the client and remove some of like the, the issues and problems that magic online has had? Possibly. I don't know. I feel like those things could be good, but well, they, they mentioned multiplayer as a priority in, in this announcement article. So, I mean, that would be a, a huge upgrade to Magic Online. If you had an actual platform where people could play and enjoy Commander, I that's, mean, that's a breakthrough, like game-changing. Yeah, you, you technically can play four-player Commander and have been able to for a long time, but if yes. there are added features to that, then yes, yes that is awesome. Yep. Yeah, it, it is It is there in the barest sense of the word not really an enjoyable experience i've tried it i've played multiplayer magic online it definitely needs work but if you nailed that if that was your priority it could it could be a real game changer for magic online for sure it could and i don't know there's there's just so many things uh with with magic online that 
could could be done a lot better. I mean, just f- for example, like basically as soon as Arena came out or once they even started talking about Arena, a lot of the focus shifted off of Magic Online. Not that they ever had a ton of focus there anyway, but yeah. as far as like trying to direct players to go play on that platform, like that that just that stuff doesn't exist right now. And you know, in uh, same terms as them, like growing these other MMOs and stuff like that. It's like they they had to have like a plan and a way to do that. And I hope that some of that gets followed through with Magic Online as well. Always possible. I I have heard good things from some communities about the work that the studio has done. And, and, and not directly, obviously, but in my research, it seems like they have moved some things forward. They have listened to player bases about what they want and provided those things. So here's hoping. I I don't think you could have less of a focus on the program than there currently is. So if you do something, even a little thing cool with this opportunity, it's going to be a net positive. Yeah, Magic Online has been in the state for the last five years or so, if not more. So I, I don't think things are really going to change all that yeah. much. And if they do change, it would likely be for the better or... Maybe they try some stuff out. It doesn't work, but they would almost certainly listen to community feedback. And in the meantime, I don't know. Maybe you start seeing like Magic Online ads, right, or something. Sure, it's possible. And if like the fear is, oh, what if this company isn't good at like putting new sets online? Well, have you played any of the sets like the days they come out on Magic Online recently? It, it just doesn't work half the time. And like limited is, is a disaster for the first week, every single new set, because one card breaks something else. And some of the bugs that you come across at this stage of Spaghetti Code are they're hilarious and they come every single set. And some of them persist for a very long period of time. So, right. again, I just don't think things can get worse. Random cards have to get banned in Popper and, you know. Yeah, keep the player base on its toes. All all sorts of weird stuff happens. But yeah, I don't think that this is this bad. And I also don't think that this should come as a surprise. Like, obviously, again, a lot of resources were shifted off of Magic Online onto Arena. And maybe, you know, this frees up some more resources for Arena. So that should be cool, too. Maybe. Who knows? And I, ho- I hope this company handles it well. I would imagine that they would not take on something that they can't handle as far as, you know, coding the individual cards and stuff like that. I mean, it, it is very much like its own thing, right? Like magic's weird. It is, but it also does seem like they capped a lot of the folks who are currently working on the product. So yeah, true. So yeah, I don't I love magic online, man. I don't, I don't play it a ton now, but I also just don't play a ton of magic now, but I have very, very fond memories of just jamming Magic Online like six to eight hours a day. And it helped me grow so much as a player. And there are a lot of like really good competitive opportunities for Magic Online, whether it was just like PTQs or like the weekly challenges that happen all the time. Uh, Qualifying for the mocks was awesome. You know, all, all of these things that, uh, arena currently doesn't have and magic online still does it's just the, the problem is like you're not qualifying for a pro tour or like a real mox or whatever it's like a mox that's you know being broadcasted out of someone's basement and a pro tour that's a set championship played on arena which is not the same thing so yeah a lot of the infrastructure has crumbled around magic online and to no fault of magic online i in terms of the importance of magic online both in the broader picture and to myself, 
I can say authoritatively, there's no way I'm here right now without Magic Online. Like, it was the reason I came back to Magic. I, it was done and dusted for me. I don't think I would have busted the cards back out. I really don't. My life was just in such a different place, and it wasn't it, it wasn't headed in a direction where Magic would have lined up again. And then finding out about Magic Online changed all of that. It brought me back into the fold and made me interested in the competitive scene. And I, I owe so much of what my next... 20 years after the release of magic online looked like to magic online. So that's kind of incredible. And I also think in the broader sense, when you see these lists, these retrospectives of like the most important video games ever made for better or worse, magic online deserves to be near the very top of all of those lists. And it, it just doesn't have that kind of significance in the broader video game world. And, and people don't regard it that way, but so many things that this program was the first to do are just that that's how the industry works now. Like these, the entire gotcha game industry is somewhat founded on magic online. If you want to talk about NFT grifting, like in some ways, the digital yeah. objects created by magic online were the, the first things that like got value assigned, maybe not the first thing, that's that's probably overdramatic. Certainly these things had happened on the internet before, but one of the first real mainstream adoptions of the kind of this digital good has real world worth. And thinking back to the announcement that, oh, these digital magic cards are gonna still cost $4 a pack and everyone's mind being blown. Like it seemed unfathomable that you could sell something that wasn't real for $4 a pack and how quaint and just like, good-hearted does that look now compared to where the world is at and what they are selling digital objects for at this point in time? Well, to be fair, I think that they probably could have come up with a better business model and gotten more players, but... You know. Maybe true. Maybe true. I, like, I, I'm not trying to say it did everything correctly. I'm not even trying to say its net effect on the industry of games as a whole is positive. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I just think it's the most important release of the last 20 years, maybe. It was certainly proof of concept of a lot of stuff where it's like, yeah, maybe this isn't the best thing, but like this can work. Yeah. And I, it just deserves a lot more respect than it gets in the broader like gaming circles, I think. Uh, Misplaced Ginger had a tweet at some point where he he did the math on like how much time he spent on Magic Online. And it was like, I don't know, a quarter of his life or half his life or something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but there there was definitely a, a period of time in my life where it, it would have been uh, a significant portion of my life too. And it's like, you know, how, how do you get so good at something? Well, it is by doing it a lot and yeah. doing it against good competition and magic online absolutely is, is how I got better straight oh, yeah. up. Just from a pure rep standpoint. I mean, how would you have ever gotten in that many reps without magic online? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was slow going for sure until then. Cause it was like, I would go to F and M play four rounds, maybe like play some games with friends in the week or whatever. But like just being able to play, you know, whatever draft format or PTQ format was coming up just nonstop. And I, I cannot stress enough that it was like, you know, very much like the, the very, very enfranchised people who were on it too. It wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of like casual audience because of the economy and like how quickly yeah. you would just get eaten up. So it, it was like, that was an important aspect of it. And I, I don't get that on arena because like I, I play on arena and I, I don't know like my opponent's in, in investment really. Yep. And 
uh, just, you know, judging from like the way a lot of the games go, it's like probably not very high uh, for, for a random opponent. So, yeah. And there were real dollar swings at stake on Magic Online. Like you had a bad day drafting on Magic Online, you know, you're down hundred bucks, 200 bucks. And yeah. That's, that's significant money. Like there were, there were stakes and uh, again, for better or worse, those stakes were part of what I craved at the age when I found magic online. W- one of the things that's interesting about my background is I, I obviously played poker for a living for a few years during the poker boom. And it was the first time in my life I ever made substantial money where I like actually had money to spend and felt fairly comfortable. But also while I was building that substantial money and like rising through the ranks, I routinely had to put literally my entire net worth on the line to try and make a few bucks. Like, you know, I have $200 in my pocket. That's all the money I have in the world. And I'm sitting down at this one, three game, hoping that I can make enough to pay rent. And that was just my reality. And it's created this weird thing where if the stakes aren't that high gambling just like doesn't do it for me anymore and that sounds horrible but it's true like i need to have kind of like my life on the line otherwise i just don't get the same feel from gambling that's why i don't really gamble because i'm not going to go ahead and put my net worth presently on the line because that's scary and i spent a lot of time building that whereas before it was the 200 dollars i was able to scrape together from bussing tables or whatever yeah i paid my rent with magic online for years not not like a ton of years or whatever, maybe like two or three total, but... Yep, so you you were in that struggle. I was, absolutely. And a lot of it was about volume. And I don't know, like these days, this was more true like back in the day where it was like I, I loved just like building the best version of the best deck and then just like going through the queues over and over and over again. And I, I was at a point where I like wasn't learning anything, but I was just like doing it to beat people. Mm-hmm. And there, there was like a portion of time where I had to do that. I couldn't be like, oh, I want to learn things because it was my rent on the line. It was, it was very much my job. So I, I had to do that. Just like, you know, play Jund or whatever the best deck was and just yeah. beat up a bunch of people and go from there. Uh, whereas like now I can't, I can't do that. I can't just like beat up on people f- for funsies. It just doesn't work. Like if I'm playing magic, I have to be learning something. So uh, if there were if there were stakes like relevant stakes worth playing for, that would be cool. But e- even like the challenges or like the PTQs, I'm never like oh just copy paste like whatever won the last tournament. It's like I'm trying to learn something or I'm trying something experimental in my deck and like trying to learn something. And then if I happen to do well or whatever, cool. But yeah, yeah, I, I just can't like jam the best deck for fun anymore. It's weird. nope. No, and it's easy to romanticize these situations. Like there is something that was special about it, but it was also kind of nightmarish at the same time. And like this weird hellscape that put too much pressure on the people participating and probably like was not what the game was designed to do and sort of like a bastardized interpretation of yes and no the whole I mean, space. I mean, they made the stuff worth money for a reason, right? And they made tickets transferable for a reason. yeah. I'm just not sure like it was an entirely well thought out reason. Like, I don't think they thought about all the implications of it. Dude, the first payouts, the the first payouts were huge. They were huge. Yes. It was like you win, you win like a weekly challenge or whatever. And you get like, I don't know, like three or four boxes 
yeah. of, of digital magic cards or whatever. And to say nothing that like the, the base level was eight, four for a lot of the time, but I, I think it was closer to 12, six, like at the outset. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, so. Everything, everything was a lot higher. And then they, they just scaled it down to the, the, the like exact point where people would still play, you know, mm. like the value is still good enough to keep going, but it used to be so much better. And I, I just remember back in the day, it's like, man, Factor Fiction is 20 tickets. Like, I'm not going to play Psychotog, even though it's the best deck, because I'm not going to, like, put $100 on the Magic Online or whatever, you know? Right. Like, we, we had to grind until we had a good deck. Yep. Yeah, I, my intro to Magic Online started with Mono Black Control playing uh, Frozen Shade over Nantuko Husk because I just didn't have the money to have the uh, two-mana black pumpable creature as opposed to the three mana black pumpable creature and eventually won enough to got there get there despite only having the more inferior version of the deck uh it, it was still an antico shade Nantuko shade yeah. yes you're right you're right Nantuko shade versus frozen shade yes but yeah yeah no i, I feel you uh i mean I, I got to a point where eventually i had like all the decks and stuff and a lot of that came from drafting and it's like trying to build a collection drafting now is like good luck right? yeah yeah, definitely a battle. So this this kind of like is an interesting question that I would pose to you. Now you make your living through magic still to this day. You you write different it, sorts, less less of a grind, less of yeah, a, yeah. am I going to be able to eat tonight if I don't top eight this premiere event or whatever? But yeah. Okay. But but let's say theoretical world there is a platform that offers magic being played at the type of stakes which would allow you to maintain basically your lifestyle as it is now and so a similar income to what you're making now but instead of you know doing the writing thing doing the podcasting thing it's just strictly game when your games get paid does that interest you at all like is there something there where you hear about that and you're like mm, maybe i would do that is it, is it just the absence of like that actual dollars in your pocket that is keeping you away from diving in like that or is it just something you've moved past so i will say that like all the games that I play now that are not magic, I definitely still have like the, the killer instinct type of thing where I min max, I play a lot, you know, I, I try to do everything correctly. I try to like learn and be as good at the game as I possibly can, because those things are enjoyable to me. And for magic, it is different because of like trying to make content versus like trying to win in tournaments. Yeah. So if I could, I mean, it's also weird because it's like the, the investment for writing an article a week and doing a podcast a week is, is much lower. Uh, it's like lower opportunity cost, higher, higher reward, monetary reward than any amount of like grinding for dollars would be. Mm -hmm. and i i do enjoy it i enjoy talking about the game and there, there is a bunch there's a bunch of games i play now that i would love to talk to someone about you know but i just like don't don't really know anyone who also wants to have that conversation who is like willing to take it as seriously as i am right you yeah know? it's it's tough to find uh aligned interest when it comes to a game especially in when they're like unique games where i, I think in your case there's established metagames that people default to and and you are about creating those metagames not defaulting to them and it's hard to find like minds in a lot of those spaces yeah but uh i i don't know i enjoy what i what i do so much that 
I would still continue to want to do some part of it, even if I were just grinding and that were like the best thing to be doing. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, if if there were if there were stakes for any any sort of magic thing, I am definitely more interested now than I would be for just like playing on Arena Ladder. Cause like Arena Ladder it, it has a ton of problems, obviously, but like the, the thing that gets me is that it's just like I most of my opponents are not going to be bringing like this the same like you know heat and knowledge and you know compassion and stuff like that that i would want to bring to any given match and there's just like nothing at stake so it all just feels very pointless like more than pointless to me so it doesn't get me fired up but it's like playing like a league on magic online it, it does still you know it does it does feel like it matters it's just like the amount that you get from it just doesn't do anything for me yep okay that all that all tracks i i think for my part my a huge huge percentage of my motivation in magic was to get to the point where i was able to do what i do now i just i just wanted to be able to share my thoughts about the game i wanted to have an audience for those thoughts and i wanted to like you said have like-minded individuals to like have these conversations with and I have that now. I wouldn't really give it up for anything. And I, I couldn't envision myself ever going back to like, I need to win these matches of magic. Otherwise, my head will explode. Like, it's it's just not in my heart anymore. And it's funny. I, I think that like, there's moments where I fall into it. Like if I go back to the launch of Arena and playing like the fandom legend stuff, there was moments where that fire came back to me and it felt really good and I yeah. was I was really happy to be doing it but I also cannot do it like snap my fingers I'm in that mode now same for for instance like I played the SCG Invitational a few months ago I I didn't care I just didn't like it didn't matter to me I was more concerned with like making sure my opponents were having a good time than I was with am I going to win this tournament? And you need that. You just need to have that hunger. It doesn't mean you have to be like nasty or mean or like ruthless. That's, that's not what I'm saying. It's that you have to want to win. And if you don't have that, it's just not going to manifest. I've mentioned this before, and I've certainly talked to my friends about this to some degree, but like if I could play anonymously, it would make it way more likely that I would be willing to play in some of those events. Sure. I, I understand that as well. So it's an interesting conundrum for a very, very mature game. And uh, we certainly have a unique relationship with it at this point. And I, I don't know how much other people like relate to this type of stuff. I think there's a few, there's a handful of people out there who are like, yes, I get this. But it's hard when you just look at this as like the game you play for fun. None of this stuff really makes any sense. Yeah, I think like you, you can't, you can't turn on the fire killer instinct, whatever you want to call it. And I think when I was younger, it it gave me something to care about, whereas now I care more about things that, quote unquote, matter, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like I, I find it difficult to care about like a match of magic as much as something that like actually impacts the world. Uh, whereas before, like my world was much smaller, like I wasn't necessarily thinking about all that sort of stuff. So I don't know it like I definitely needed that at that time in my life and i need yeah, yeah. It, i need it less now but i don't know it, it is weird where the content creator aspect of things has made it so that i it's just like kind of pointless for me to care 
about like winning an individual match versus like, okay, well, I need to do this thing. What to did learn. you learn? Yeah. Yes. To, so that I can talk about it this week or whatever. Uh, whereas in, in the other games, I feel like I, I play enough and am learning and like, can just focus on that. So I do that to the best of my ability. But like, I also feel like I could just make like dope content for those games. It's just like the audience is not necessarily there or uh, the audience is uh, already like very saturated or whatever the market yep. saturated. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Something about like, what individuals are trying to get out of a game. I think magic did a good job of bringing a lot of very like-minded individuals together. Yeah. And other games, uh, I'm not going to say no game does that. Certainly there are games that do that very well. Uh, but when I think of the other games that I play, I'm, I don't get that same sense. You get, you get a wide range of responses, right? And I, I think that that's just like gaming being not necessarily more accessible, but like, uh, definitely more socially accepted or sure. encouraged yeah. now. Yeah. And you're you're just getting like a broader spectrum versus the way to play matching before was like hardcore, like PTQ grinding, which is yep. how you got all those like-minded people together. But the magic experience now is certainly very different too. If you just interact with like any given random magic player, right? Like everyone is going to have like a, a different range of the way they want to experience the game and experiences they've had and what they want to talk about and so on. For sure. The, the sociology of magic is so interesting to me. It, it might actually be the topic that interests me the most at this point about the game. It's just those broad, big picture things and how we all have chosen to engage with this game. And it's fascinating. I could literally talk about it for hours. Uh, and I often do. So I, I, will, I will let you lead this conversation where you want. Otherwise, I'll keep us here all day and we'll just be talking about these things that, again, I, I'm not sure how many people care when we talk about this stuff, but it is fascinating to me. I think at the end of the day, Magic Online is important because you give someone a digital way to play things like modern and legacy and vintage, and yep. that needs to stick around. Uh, Especially now. I mean, it's so important. Yeah, right now. yeah of course. Uh, so I, I hope that Daybreak does a good job with it. Uh, if anyone who works for that company, is listening somehow randomly and you know wants a line into community members who would be able to give good feedback i feel like i am a pretty good person for that i can either do it myself or point you in the right direction i care about this product i care about how it is handled even though i might not play as much as i used to you know so throwing that out there uh but yeah uh brian you fed any good goats lately I have been feeding a very good goat. If you have seen my Twitter page, you certainly know this and have seen the best goat. Would you like to guess the goat's name? I think you should just put out the first guess that comes to your mind. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the first guess that came to mind was Goatsy, but... <laughs> Goatsy? Look, look, man. It, it's, what a strange it, goat name. It, no, you remember the, the really bad thing on the internet back in the day? No. Okay. No. Which really bad thing? Right, I mean, don't, right? don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There are going to be some people who are probably going to try and like rickroll you into clicking this link. Don't do it. All right. I'm not clicking anything for the next week. Uh, no. my, my neighbor's goat's name is Billy. Which oh, okay. Is, that's that's a good one. Yeah. Text textbook goat name. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing is not good. So yeah, just forget about that. 
Sounds good. We we will ignore that. Yeah, I've just been uh you know feeding the goats lately. I would like to get my own goats. I did some research a while ago. Was learning about Nigerian dwarf goats. Okay, which are just these really cool smaller goats, and they have a nice milk yield, so you can make goat cheese and things like that with them. I don't think I want to get female goats because I don't want the responsibility of having to milk them all the time. I kind of yeah. just want to hang out with them. Um, but yeah, I think that someday. I will I will have my own goats and I won't have to go visit my neighbors all the time, but they have been great at in, indulging my desire to occasionally pet a goat and let me come down and and feed Billy regularly. So that's been very nice. Billy seems very nice. How like I was under the impression that you were just kind of like moving into the boonies, but then the not not to like, you know, <laughs> dox you or whatever, but it's like, you know, the the recent video uh, or not the most recent one, but the one where uh, your wife is, you know, walking down the street towards the goat or whatever. It looks like, you know, assuming that you were taking that video from your property or whatever, that it's like, you know, your neighbors are pretty close. Yeah, that that video is taken from my living room window. Okay. Essentially, essentially, we are at the end of a private road. We're the last house on a private road. And so if you go down the private road, uh, there's two four neighbors who also live on the private road and you my property has like a a wood line around it so when the trees are full you cannot see any other property you basically like go to the end of the private road that's where my gate is you come through it and that's where my house is okay so it it feels very isolated but i i have four neighbors within walking distance and so yeah it's it's not and also once you actually get to the end of the private road it's it's not a main road that doesn't really it, it's a main country road is the best way to yeah. describe it and so you drive 10 minutes down that road in one direction you're at a walmart so it's not as maybe not as isolated as it seems given how much nature there is present but uh it, it's it, that's why i love it so much it's a great mix of being like feeling very isolated but also close enough where i can like go get taco bell if i have to you know what i mean you know how we're gonna have our fans on to disrupt our listeners yeah. Do you know that your phone's blowing up right now? No, I didn't know that. Okay. I, I understand. I'm a very popular person, so yeah. I'll just have to uh, turn that off. So it's it's just people tweeting like you know raccoons and and goats at you. Uh, it was it was actually my uh, alert going off because my wife is currently Christmas shopping while I record this, and it's letting letting me know what purchases she's been making. Ah. Uh, yeah. So it's a very expensive podcast for me thus far. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, man, I, I was just kind of under the impression, or at least this is like my my Brian headcanon, that you just lived in a cabin in the woods like 100 miles from everyone. No, I, I can understand where you get that impression from. And that that's the thing is sometimes it sort of feels like it. And it, it can be very isolated and country-ish. And it, it's a big property too. And, you know, it's got the weird features like the pond and the, the big barn. So it, it's not what you would expect given that I do have neighbors within close proximity. So I know that you're a general animal lover and I don't know, man, you're, you're talking about like maybe getting some goats, but like, I I felt like there would maybe be some other animals that you would get before goats. Well, so, so what's your plan here? If it were to go my wife's way and it it will certainly, I, I promise you the end result is it does. We will first get a horse before anything else. Yep. She is she is a lifelong, 
I want to say equestronaut. That's definitely not the right word for it. Equestrian? Yeah, but equestrian is like a specific type of horse. Okay. And and she did do that. She did uh, Hunter Jumper, if I have any horse fans out there listening right now, but has since moved on to dressage, I believe is the term for how she rides now. That sounds so pretentious. I love it. Oh, it is. It, it all is. It's a very silly, silly thing. But she loves it. And she also competed for a long time. I've shared before on, I don't know if I've ever run this cast, but on other podcasts. But does she, does she still have the fire, Brian? Maybe no, you should, maybe no, you should she ask doesn't. her. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't have the fire anymore. And it's funny because like it, it's, it's such a separate experience from magic. It's a completely different world. But there's so many parallels we found about our experiences. And the bulk of her horse competing is before we met. It goes back to when she was like high school age, but she didn't go to high school. She was actually just full time doing horse stuff back then. And then went and got her GED, went to community college, went to college, and now is super successful. So a really good, uh, one of the best cases possible for you don't need a traditional education to succeed in very traditional spaces. I think she's a textbook example of that. It's very true. Um, Obviously, you need like structure in place to to help you along. You know, you need the right support or whatever. But yep. Yeah, and she had that and was able to have a very unorthodox approach to education and is one of the smartest people I know now, but spent a bunch of time with horses. And first priority for her is getting back in the horse game, but that's not going to be on our property. That's going to be a horse boarded elsewhere. So that that will certainly be the first animal that gets added to our menagerie. Okay. Next. Next animal? Yeah. Ah, man, that's that's a tough decision, right? Here's here's where I am at with animals right now. I have my very senior dog, Kai, who is sadly probably coming towards the end of his life. He's almost 14 now, and he has he has a lot of good days still, but he has some tough ones. And I I don't know what that's going to be like for me. He's been my you know, closest companion for so long. And our whole relationship together, my wife and I, we've been together for his entire life now. Then we got him when we were together for, uh, we'd probably only been together four or five months at that point. We got a dog together. Not a great choice in most instances, but it worked out here. So I, I can't imagine not having him around. And I think I just need some time after that to sort of reflect on pet ownership and yeah. like what I can do going forward. I, I know it's kind of like a morose place to take this, but it's, it's just where my head is at right now, where I want to make sure my main priority is like making sure the end of his life is super happy, super stress-free, and he's super well taken care of. Yeah, Kai's a and, good boy. He deserves it. Very good boy. And once once I pass that bridge, then I'll start thinking more about like what the next animal will be. It could be I just lose my mind and like go rescue every dog I could find. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I also like the idea of just like inviting animals onto my property, which is starting to become problematic because I have this muskrat family living in my pond right now. And they're going to town on the walls of my pond. And it's just like pouring into my neighbor's yard at this point. Oh. So, yeah, we might have to do something, find some safe way to rehome these muskrats. Um, but I love the idea of just like animals coming and going to my property. I had the deer I shared some pictures of for a while that was here quite often. A bunch of squirrels, which my wife is very excited about, including a red squirrel, which is a big deal for her. Um, so, yeah, I... I 
I will not be making any animal purchases, I don't think, until Kai's situation is sorted out and just kind of appreciating the animals around me for now. I think that since you have like such a, a wide range of love for animals that you know you talked about the coming and going thing i think that you would be a very good foster home we've talked about that and i i do think that would be something that i would be really happy to do again not while kai's around just because i don't want that stress in his life of course but i i think you know getting dogs resituated and ready to go to a new home i could see myself being very happy doing that and also it it bodes well in terms of like you know, assuming the world ever gets back to a normal state, we love traveling. And it's it's hard when you have a dog. It used to be my parents could come and take care of Kai, but that got harder as he got older and required more specific care. So having some of that flexibility and still having a dog in my life because I was just fostering. And then I know like, all right, foster period's over now. Before we take another one, we could go do this trip. Yeah. That sounds really cool to me. Yeah, I can't even... Like there was a point where I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe... You know, in 2021, this is like early 2020 me thinking like, oh, maybe I could go do this. And yeah. then now I'm just like, uh, that stuff's all off the table. I just can't. Yeah, I'm just here forever. Yeah. I know that feeling. So I, that feeling. I don't know. It, it is it is weird to even think about it because I was at that place like a, a few different times over the last couple of years. Yep. And it's just like always ended in disappointment and disaster. So now I'm just not even thinking about it until... You know, maybe stuff actually does get better. Who knows? But I, I understand. I don't I don't fault you for not setting yourself up for disappointment again. Yep. But uh, I mean, we're we're talking like years down the line, probably. So I do think that that makes sense. Yeah. The, the other thing I'll say is that I've. Kind of wanted this sounds more like mystical and crunchy than I actually am, but I kind of wanted the universe to just like tell me what my next animal would be and i don't mean like some mythical sign i just mean like no I feel you, like just, I'm gonna, you get an opportunity or yeah whatever, i'm gonna right? encounter an animal who like needs my help yeah and that that should be the next animal i take care of and you know maybe it's a maybe it's a cow maybe it's a baby raccoon i found outside i mean that's the dream scenario let's let's be real um but I, whatever it is that will probably be my next step no that's legit i like that it's it's just weird because even if you are maybe relying on that, it's like you encounter your neighbor's goat and you have access to this goat and you have bowls full of fruit to feed it or whatever. Yep. And now you're like researching into like maybe getting a goat for yourself. And it's like, I, I mean, I guess you could argue that that falls under the sign or whatever, but it mostly doesn't in my mind. That is that is true. And that's maybe why I haven't pulled the trigger. I mean, maybe what will happen is that my neighbor will be like, you know, you sure come down and see that goat a lot. And we don't really want it anymore. So you just want to take it onto your property. And yeah, your, your neighbor's just like, this goat is a nightmare. Please take it from me. And you're like, OK, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it, it certainly probably doesn't help that it knows us now. And it just like every single time, even when we drive down the road, not just walk down the road he just goes berserk jumping up and down making goat noises at us so i i wonder if it's causing problems for them i hope not. i hope they would tell us if it was causing problems because we of course asked permission before we just like showed up and started feeding the goat one day um yeah can you be less nice to my goat well it's it's weird though i mean like 
we we have met our neighbors, but it's not like we're close with any of them. We've yeah. only been here for a little period of time. And if someone just is on your property feeding your animal. I mean, if someone was here feeding Kai every day, I'd be like, well, you know, like, what are you feeding him? Is Are, are you thinking about, like, his weight? But what they were what just are like, your intentions with my dog? Right. They were just like, yeah, just give the goat whatever you want. Like, literally just bring down, like, you know, wheelbarrows full of weeds and he will happily eat them all. So Okay. Goat's not picky, turns out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how that impacts the goat health, but. Well, that is why, if you saw the Twitter video, is a very wide variety of different fruits and vegetables we wanted to provide to the goat. We were concerned. Oh, I, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, that we was were concerned good. that maybe he was just eating too many weeds and needed a little bit more, like, flash in his life. So we did a little research about, like, what's good for goats, what they can eat. And that collection, uh, well, first it was things I didn't use like in time. So I let kind of get old in my fridge, which I do routinely. And I'm happy that they are now going to a goat as opposed to just being wasted. Yeah, for sure. I was more so talking about your neighbor who's just like, yeah, just bring your trash down here. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. go to eat your trash. And it's like, dude, are you OK? Well, they, they do love poison ivy. Like it's one of their favorite what? things to eat. Yeah. Yeah. They they will eat poison ivy. It doesn't affect them negatively. and Actually, one of the first conversations we had with the neighbor about the goat was like, you know, we have a bunch of poison ivy around. And she's like, if you ever want to take the goat up to your property and just let him eat, he will. Wow. Yeah. And then one day the goat just never went home. Just stayed yeah. on your property. Permanent resident taking up, uh, you know, swim in the pond, relaxing over there. So, yeah, man, I, I think I think that you would do good with animals. I don't know you know, how the, the Kai situation is, is going to affect you. But I think no matter what, you're you're not going to be able to give up loving animals or like, right. you know, it's 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 not going to bring you to ha have like a, a negative reaction towards them, I think. so. No, I, I don't think so either. It, it feels like more of just like a time thing and like yeah, a, yeah, a reflection sure. thing more than anything else. What about you? How many how many more cats are on the docket or is it just just the three forever? Well, uh, like I said, some issues with my landlord, and I will likely be out of this place in the next few months, hopefully. Mm -hmm. I have made some some considerations as to like what it would take for me to stay in this place, and it's a lot, and maybe maybe they cave to it, maybe they don't. If they do cave to it, I would be worried because I'm sure something else will go wrong. Right. That's a good sign. Nothing's ever getting fixed. And, you know, move, moving's a pain in the ass, obviously. So... I'm in a house right now and I, I could look around for other houses, but it's like pretty, pretty dry here actually. And I was looking into getting like a studio loft. Okay. And that sounds cool. Yeah. And I, I think it would be good. You know, it's got a lot of space. I like having it be wide open. I don't necessarily like living in a building uh, with other humans at uh, you know, times of a pandemic and all that, that doesn't sound great to me. But uh, if I do do that, then the odds of me picking up another cat are a lot less likely because, you know, occasionally I've had some like cats come and go through my backyard and stuff. And yeah, that's, that's how I got my third cat <laughs> is I was just gonna, uh, like, you know, TNR trap neuter re releaser. And then part of that process is, her healing in my house for a week. And then after that, I was like, now nah, you're not leaving. Right. Uh, Just stay forever. Yeah. Pretty, pretty similar. How the, the goats can end up staying on your property, but mm -hmm, probably uh, there's a, 
a cat that was on my property for a while that now my neighbor has mostly been taken care of. So that's cool. And uh, I saw that cat the other day again, and it was nice. It was, it was still a good boy. Good kid. That, that's good. I'm glad your, your neighborhood has formed a whole collective dedicated to taking care of all the cats out there. Yeah. Why, why are there so many cats out there though? That has me a little concerned. I don't know. I honestly don't know. So like he, he had a litter that was uh, born in his backyard and basically grew up in a, a hollowed out tree trunk that he removed a couple months ago, actually. But like, okay. I feel like the cats uh, were, you know, like born in there and that's just kind of like how they grew up and they would get food from him. They get food from me. And then uh, Pira was the, the cat that I eventually took in because she was like the first one out of the litter that I was able to catch, you know, because I was, I was going to like TNR all of them. Mm-hmm. And I believe this one is still from that litter. Uh, okay. But I don't know what happened to the third one. I don't know what, what happened to their mom or anything. But, you know, uh, I've also seen like a, a couple cats here and there, but they have not stuck around as much as these ones have. But I'm sure, you know, that that could change because I've seen cats like here and there. So who knows? So, so now I clarified the ruralness of my home yeah how rural are you that that all these cats are present so i am like a 10 minute like basically i I think i mapped this out it takes me like eight minutes in reasonable traffic to get to my house from my house to the richmond convention center okay that is a landmark i know so i can yeah so i can kind of vibe with where you're at some of that is just like i go off of my road for maybe like half a mile hit kind of a main road, take that road to the highway, and the highway has like an exit that brings you right to the convention center. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all pretty convenient. And I kind of like, you know, planned for that to be the case back in the before times when sure. I thought I would be hosting people in my house and taking them to tournaments at the convention center. No, R- Richmond Convention Center is where I have gone to Magic tournaments more than any other place in the world over the last, you know, three years or so since I lived in Seattle. That was the spot I always ended up in for some reason. Yeah, I believe that. And I still have a spare bedroom for you. So, you know, I, I hope one day I can take advantage <laughs> of that. Oh, it sounds like it'll now be in a loft as opposed to the spare bedroom. Maybe. That you presently have. Yeah. Less, less, uh, privacy, I think yeah. in a loft, but you know, it'll, it'll still be good. You yeah, just we'll might have some cats jumping on you while you try. And uh, sleep. That's, that's no problem. I, I can adapt. So I'm, I'm in the suburbs. Uh, I am definitely on, in an area where it's like, you know, house, fence, house, fence kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's tons of people around me. And my my neighbor is super cool. And we we both share a love of cats. I'm not like I haven't talked to him that much because I haven't been outside. But, uh, you know, said hi to him when I was moving in. We BS a couple times. Uh, he come let me know when a hit and run driver just completely obliterated my mailbox. And, okay. <laughs> and then like occasionally when I've seen him outside, I've like when when I when I took Pira in, I was like, hey, what's the deal with with the cats, you know, in your backyard? And he's just like, oh, you know, I, I just I just feed them, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, do you mind if I, you know, try and take him in to get TNR? And he's like, oh, yeah, man, absolutely do that. You know, so. Nice. Super friendly, super good dude, and ha- has like an indoor outdoor cat of his own that has also like spent some time in my yard. I've fed her a couple times, and yep. 
cat knows where to get an extra meal yep. he needs it yep. that's kind of like the cat i have on my property I, I i've come to the conclusion it's it's not a wild cat it's just a cat who likes snacks yeah yeah i, I mean that's dude that's all cats it's yep. like I, I granted like the first two cats i adopted and i don't know like what their stories were uh how they were treated or anything but uh one of my cats is definitely just like oh you just fed me i'm still starving you never feed me you know like yeah just d- definitely looks at me like he's never eaten a day in his life i am familiar with that with that ruse that particular pet ruse so yeah i don't know it's it's weird and it is possible that my my army continues to grow we'll see it's i i feel the same way as you man it's just like you, you see like an animal that that needs help whose life could be made better and it's like i just feel like every fiber in my being where it's like i i want to do something yep you know yeah but it's it's just so messed up because like you know people go to like breeders before shelters in a lot of instances i think that the narrative on that is kind of getting turned around for the good yep and they're actually in a rare rare circumstance there's some useful laws that are continuing to be passed that are actually you know prohibiting puppy mills from existing and requiring good all the animals in certain states to be rescued so i i am i am pleased with the progress that is slowly being made in that direction yeah and i don't know just whenever i've gone to a shelter to adopt or like look at adopting or go with someone else or whatever it's just like they're always full always full and it it just sucks. It's just like I I want to just I don't know like so growing up uh like grandparents had a farm and just they had like a, a ton of stray cats for whatever reason. I think it was like very much just like the meal thing. It's like there was there was food on the farm and then at some point my like when we when we finished dinner it was like the stuff that did not make for good leftovers or whatever. If it was like you know fat left off the ham or something they would just like bring it out into a big dish and just like feed all the cats mm-hmm. and then just like it, at various times that we would have like 20 cats on the farm and then like those cats would have kittens and whatever it's just like they never did Inf- infinite cats you had a perpetual cat machine basically. We, we did it and thinking back on it now it's like y'all y'all definitely should have like tnr'd a lot of those oh, cats yeah. you know yep. uh we, we would not have had this problem but whatever so I don't know. Just uh, adopt, adopt if you can. Because how, how about this? Here's here's what I would like to do to close out the show. It is it is the holiday season. Not big on asking for gifts, but if you actually sat through this entire episode of the Cat Talk podcast and enjoyed it and appreciated either this or anything else that we have been able to do uh, over the past year, and you have a local animal shelter that either you frequent you know of and you think maybe could use a little bit of help this season if if you were to send me a picture of you going down there and giving them some food or even just a donation nothing would make my holiday season better if you could do something like that if i've, if I've ever brought any joy to your life and you are saying man i'd really like to get brian something or i'd like to get jerry something for the holiday season if you did this for me nothing would make me happier same and that <laughs> when hold on when when i adopted my cats they were like oh it's like you know this much or whatever and i was like that's that's like really low you know like a lot of the times i've like previous times when i adopted animals it was like a little bit higher you know so i'm just like why is it so low and they told me and i was like but y'all have like 20 cats here pandemic starting you know like obviously you need the help whatever so it's like 
handed them a bunch of money and she's just like, this is too much. I'm just like, nah, just, you know, keep the rest, whatever. Yep. Uh, it, it is, it is very, very helpful for sure. So yep. I, I share your sentiments, please do that. That would be awesome. Uh, or, you know, just send us animal pics. I'm sure that those are also yep. appreciated. Hey, I, I certainly will never object to that. Always welcome. Game. Good luck.